Greetings, amigos, and top teners everywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. I am your co-host, Kyle. Opposite me today is your co-host, Michael. Now, it's hot over there in his apartment, so he's not wearing any sleeves. He's got his beard going, and his hair is just the right length, and I have to say he looks quite good swaying back and forth the way he is currently. Now, I know you care about that, but you probably care more about the fact that Michael has prepared a top ten list of topic unknown to me anyways. Now Mike has made this top 10 list. He will relay it to me. We will vigorously debate. And by the end of this episode, we will have arrived at a definitive version of that list. I promise you, dear listener. So Michael, what are we talking about today? So my friend Kyle, uh, we're doing the rare pod that is timely and time sensitive. And hopefully uh, we might have to switch around our production schedule to get this one out this week because it will get stale quickly. We're talking NFL, baby. All right. We're talking about the we're talking a little NFL uh, 2020, 2020, 2021 season, and it's pretty simple. We're going to talk about the top ten storylines. All right. This is co- this is fun. So we're yeah, get a little free free form, just kind of stuff we're interested I, in. I uh, I I'm excited to just like regurgitate what I know about football, um, but I like the idea of us doing just like a a sports radio type podcast. Same. I love sports talk radio so much. My favorite sports talk radio host, Fred Toucher, uh, just got back in the back on the air after coming back from the Hab. He's been in rehab for the past the like, <laughs> nine weeks. He calls it the Hab. I legit. I cannot actually express to you how happy I am um, because he had been having a really difficult time. He's an alcoholic. He'd been having a really difficult time. He just the, the um, he has a lot of social anxiety, and so like the the pandemic has just been. Just so awful for him and he got he went to the hab disappeared for like nine weeks and he's back he's better than ever and it's just such a boost to my my day because i listen to him every morning at like every morning religiously i'm a freddie t like maniac and i'm so happy he's back i know exactly how you feel like almost exactly because i, d- I haven't been listening to bill Simmons pretty much all quarantine because i just like can't get yeah. into the basketball stuff as much. Um, but now that Guess the Lions is back, I'm like, every Ugh. Sunday night I get excited because I know I'm going to get to listen to Guess the Lions, and it like really brings joy to my week. Um, and so I assume that this is similar to you for your your guy back yeah, from the hat. Yeah, totally. And, totally. And it's, and it's the same with Bill Simmons because I love Simmons too. I think one thing I find really cool about Sports Talk Radio is – I think in recent years, the hacky sports talk radio has gotten old for a lot of people. And so there's been a lot more creativity with the form. So like Boston is one of the biggest sports markets in the United States. And so our sports talk radio is pretty influential. And there was a station, WEEI, that in I think it was like the early 90s or so that it really kind of took off. And it's just the classic hacky sports talk, like the WFAN, you know, Mike, Mike Francesa. And the Mike and the Mad Dog uh, sort of thing. And, like, it was really innovative and kind of different and important at the time, but it's super just annoying now. And so the guys, Toucher and Rich, um, who now have the morning drive time in Boston, they are, they're so far from that style. They're really funny. They're init- they used to be rock DJs, so they're oh, like, that's really cool. deep music knowledge. Um, they're great producers. Like, they're really good at producing bits. So they're just, they're really different, and I like that in a market as big as Boston, like people have realized that that kind of old, 
I take a side, you take a side, we get angry for no reason kind of style just isn't that interesting anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, like, there's there's good sports talk radio out there, and I really love good sports talk. Yeah, I think, I haven't listened to it in a couple of years, but I think Detroit area sports radio has uh, a lot of room to grow. (laughs) Because they're more... Yeah, the other station in Boston is like that. They haven't grown, and they suck now. Yeah. Um, I think I'm confident in our ability to do something that people would like to listen to. So let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Number 10. Uh, so number 10, I ki- I was kind of on the border between the not top and uh, sort of like towards the end of the list. I want to talk uh, a little Washington football team. Oh, the professional. So one? yeah, it's the pro- Washington professional football team. So for the listeners who are not aware, you probably are. The team used to be called the Washington Redskins. And I know what you're saying to yourself. That can't be real. Like, there is no possible way that a major professional sports team was named after an ethnic slur. But let me tell you, people, they were. What I think is so funny is that you'll read the occasional, like, Twitter rant about how, like, Redskin initially was, like, a term of endearment for, like, a warrior. And, like, the fact that you have to, like, search this niche corner of Twitter to realize that (laughs) means that you're entirely missing the fucking point. (laughs) Yes, you are entirely and, and like Dan Snyder, who is the owner of the Skins uh, slash Washington National Professional Football Association Team Club, um, is a complete prick. And we'll get to him in a second. But uh, importantly, if you're Dan Snyder and you put out yet another survey of uh, some Native American nation uh, or ethnic group in the United States saying that they support the name Redskins... Like, I could do the same thing. I could do a poll that says four out of five Americans support me for president of the United States. I'd ask my whole family, and probably one of them would say no. Like, it's just, he's cherry-picked this. It was like uh, last night at the debate, we were watching CNN afterwards, and they're like, (laughs) uh, people who watch the debate, 80% say pro-Biden, and then like in fine print, it's like, of those who watch the debate on CNN. It's like, well... (laughs) Well, <laughs> well. Yeah, exactly. So, like, Dan Snyder is doing what they call venue shopping. He's searching for the right people to ask at the right time. Um, but I just, I find that dumpster fire so utterly fascinating. They're consistently voted as having the worst stadium in uh, the NFL. I've been, I went last year, and it is in the middle of a neighborhood. I think it's Landover, Maryland. Like, a neighborhood, I, I, I'm concerned that my saying a neighborhood undersells how much of a neighborhood this is. It's like, you're driving, you're like walking down the street, like some kids like throwing the newspaper, there's a dog barking, and then suddenly there's this gigantic football stadium. It's horrible. Their owner, Dan Snyder, is pretty consistently viewed as the worst and like biggest asshole in all of professional sports ownership. They're just a disaster. What's too bad, though, is that, like, they have, well, I think now it's, like, really no fun to watch at all, because I think Chase Young is hurt, but, like, yeah, he did. but, like, they played, I mean, they're one and two, and they beat the Eagles, which, like, in retrospect, doesn't look as impressive, but, like, I think they're a team that, like, could have been fun to watch, like, absent all of this, like, non-football bullshit, which is too yeah. bad, um, and I really... And they actually have, like, a pretty good talent both sides well, and of the I, ball. I, I just wish that they would play Alex Smith. Because I feel like that storyline is more interesting than, like, can Haskins play decent? 
and you know, I'm sure that Haskins is, is uh, Dan Snyder's kid's, I think, high school. Oh, buddy. really? I did not know that. Yeah. Like, like, actually, that's he has a connection to the Snyder family. Mm. Um, <laughs> so the the whole the whole like football angle of this is unfortunately lost. But I do find the brazen clash between a dickwad owner and the league so interesting to watch because so just to kind of finish the thought on the name for people there were a bunch of options that were put forth i think there was the red wolves uh the red tails which would have been really cool because it's honoring uh, a squadron of african-american pilots during world so that's war out. like there were, yeah there were some good options there's like the washington monuments which actually is like sounds a little silly but it's like actually a pretty good name there were a couple good ones the excuse that the the uh, Washington ownership gave was that all of those names, somebody swooped in and stole the trademarks once like the betting lines came out for which name it was going to be. But basically, this is a gigantic middle finger to the league and political correctness. Like, I'm, I, I hate so much that you're making me change my terribly offensive name that people have been begging me to change for years that I just won't even name my team something. Like, I actually just won't name my it's team. It's a weird, like, weird, like, high I'm sure he gets from, like, controlling, like, the one small thing he can still control. Because it's one of the few things he can do that doesn't require a vote of the owners. Because in most cases, like, doing anything to your team actually would require a vote. Yeah. But this, he can do unilaterally. Yeah. The one, I will say, the one positive is the actual uh, logo slash uniforms are much improved. They look sort of like a European football club, um, like very simple, pared down. I actually quite like them. The logo I don't like because it's really confusing. Like, you just see a, it, it, it looks like a, because uh, it is, it looks like when you play like backyard baseball and you're like, you want, you want your team <laughs> to be called like the werewolves and you like don't get a werewolf yeah. logo. So you just use like the generic yellow W, like that's what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. Um that is a little bit true. It's, instead, when you really want to be HM for the humongous melody. Yeah, look out. Yeah, that, that's nebulous. Top 10 or like not top three, but good, still something fun to talk yeah. about. <laughs> it is interesting. So number nine is uh, a really awesome rookie class. Like really spectacular early contributions from a bunch of really good rookies. So I just I listed a couple that were notable. So Jerry Judy, uh, CD Lamb. Chase Young, who you mentioned, is hurt. Uh, Edwards, uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire or Hilaire, however people are saying it. I know. I think he's. I think he's Cajun. I want to say so he's cool. from. Uh, right, he's from Louisiana and went to LSU. I think. Is that uh, right? I'd buy that. I think that's the case. So he has like a cool French sounding last name, uh, and then Jonathan Taylor. Like bunch of guys around the league who are really contributing really early and. It's not that we've had bad rookie classes recently, but I think they've been pretty concentrated in um, less visible positions. So it's kind of fun to have such a good class of running backs, receivers, and Chase Young, who's you know, just a freak. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, also, I guess there aren't that many rookie quarterbacks, but, like, Herbert had a good start, which is, like, fun to see. That was amazing. That game, the whole story of that is just bananas, but that was... I watched that, and I watched his eyes when he got told he was going in, and God, like, he just played with no fear. I don't know if he's good, but he played just a fearless, fun game. Yeah, like, it's exci- like it's exciting for the Chargers, like, and, like, in a yep. way that, like, their franchise hasn't been in a really long time, so, like, even if he's not good, like, yep. 
to have a rookie quarterback is is fun. I've enjoyed uh hasn't really mattered, but like and but apart from one really, 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 really egregiously bad play, the Lions rookies, so DeAndre Swift and Jeff Okuda have actually been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um so Okuda was a guy that people were kind of marking down as a, a guy who they felt like could who could transition and contribute like, pretty quickly. Like day recall. one they were hoping. And yeah. uh it seems I don't know. It, early returns are positive. That I mean, yeah, with him specifically, not with the Lions. But <laughs> well, it's just nice. It's nice to have a bunch of rookies to get excited about. I'm glad for them that they're getting the chance to play because, I mean, I, we've seen it in the NFL with lockouts, with you know injuries, whatever the case may be. Rookies who don't get a chance to play and and kind of really contribute their rookie year face a really uphill you know climb for the next years. So I think for the careers of this really talented class, it's good that they got a chance. To I'd agree with that, like with the caveat that like sometimes at the quarterback position, it's a different story. Like, like Tua yeah. or like Jalen Hurts or um, like some of these guys that are even Jordan Love, like guys that you're drafting, like intending to groom, like look at Mahomes, right? But so, yeah. but yeah, yep. agreed. It's been fun. Totally. Well, you mentioned uh, your hometown Lions. So let's talk a little bit about teams that just can't get out of their own way as the number eight thing. It has been a really fascinating uh, early season of teams that just cannot get the hell out of their own way. So the teams I listed here, and we could talk about more. um, Actually, I'm missing one just incredible one. So the thing about this list is that some of these teams are actually talented. So I got the Jets, which has just been amazing the lions the giants the texans the eagles and the falcons what an unbelievable collection of teams that just find new and more devastating ways to lose every week are we going to talk about the falcons more later or is now the time no no so talk about them now the like the i would say the giants and the jets like were expected to be trash and so like it's less fun that they're so inept and, like, the Texans, yeah. like, you kind of thought this might happen with the Hopkins thing. And, like, so, like, yeah. it's whatever. The Falcons, like, score so many points. And, like, also, like, the it's stunning that they, of all teams, given their history with blowing late leads, would do this twice in the first three weeks of the season. Like, the statistics have been talked about kind of ad nauseum, but, like, it's like like it's hard to believe that they could blow two leads like that. It was it like what Dallas and Chicago, like two teams with like, yep. well, not really. Like Dallas has a a great offense, but like Chicago doesn't. Like it's yeah, they don't profile as the sorts of teams who could put together a massive comeback. And it's if I'm remembering right, and maybe I'm not, but I think Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks, right? A couple years ago. Uh, that sounds right. I think he was. I want to say maybe even the year that the Pats played them in the Super Bowl. Um, but at any rate, his background, I think, is defensive. He's like this kind of, you know, stolid, like kind of kind of stern dude. He just doesn't profile as the kind of guy who would lead a team that is subject to such shenanigans. He doesn't like you can picture not accurately, but you can picture this happening to Pete Carroll because he's like chewing his gum there and being like a goober and clapping and stuff. You can kind of picture this. 
But it doesn't happen to him. But Dan Quinn is just there, like, looking stern and kind of quiet and, like, tough while his team is giving up a kind of once-in-a-lifetime comeback. Again. The problem is that, like, that look has, because of one huge game, become, like, synonymous with blowing a lead. And so, like, normally you're right. Yeah. Like, that demeanor in a vacuum doesn't represent that, but it does now. And, like, so he's probably going to get fired. The other problem is that, like, randomly the nfc south has become like <clears throat> a really fucking good division like even if the saints aren't super bowl contenders like maybe we thought they were like the buccaneers look like they're competent and the panthers are not like a rebuilding team like uh, like or they're not playing like a rebuilding team like they kind of are and so like to slip to one and two all of a sudden puts you in like really dangerous position because you have to play all those teams twice still yeah so yeah, it's it's fascinating. And the the structure of the playoffs is a little bit weird with the extra team and it's just it's going to be like an interesting kind of noisy year. And with some of these teams either kind of playing down to our expectations of them as a franchise or playing down to, you know, what are kind of reasonable expectations for them as a just team itself. It's pretty wide open uh, in a couple spots. We'll see. They'll have to stop blowing 20-point leads in the fourth quarter though. Yeah, I want to just end uh, this like teams that can't get out of their own way thing on um, the Eagles a little bit. I, I kind of want to gloat because I have obviously family in Philly and they love the Eagles and we heard no end of the loss that the Pats had to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And that team, that Eagles team was better and ballsier than the Pats team that year. I don't think there's any real question about that. But I do think it's this collapse is proof of you know how short the shelf life is of most coaches message you know in pretty much every professional sport but football seems particularly kind of you know subject to this to see uh what's his name peterson there his message has clearly just worn thin and that team just doesn't respect him doesn't give a crap about him and you know you can only be like mr big dick rah rah guy for so long until these guys you know they want to be treated like adults and be you know run in a professional organization and bill belichick isn't the only coach who's who's figured that out there's plenty of other ones but like the rex ryan approach is exactly what peterson did and it works for a couple of years and then the message just kind of gets old there's those guys are great be great college coaches that's why like the gym that's why the totally. gym harbaugh thing yep. works for like three years and then it's like exactly yeah there's a shelf life like just imagine yourself so i know you're not a professional athlete i'm not a professional athlete we're not wired the way those guys are but just imagine yourself as an adult because we're adults now i think i think we're adults like going to work and having some dude be like let's go like you would think he was an well, idiot very good at first and then like you're saying it, it doesn't right. age well and like like there's something to to be said about like the longevity of like uh like belichick's obvious pete carroll is a great example belichick or what about belichick, um yeah. the other harbaugh in baltimore like i think oh john yeah. yeah great example he's just like a he's a buttoned up professional coach who treats his players like adults yeah and that and likes you know but you could say like well if the eagles won a super bowl two years ago and the Ravens didn't and they totally. haven't. So like, you know, there's give and take to that, but like, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. And I don't know. We'll see the, the Eagles are still a talented team, I think. And, and they conversely play in the NFC East where like they could still theoretically win it. So yeah, yeah they could slip in at seven and right. nine 
Uh, but unfortunately, Carson Wentz sucks and has from day one. And anybody who got too excited about him was looking for something that wasn't there. Sad. Um, all right. So, so this is uh, traditionally the part where we talk about uh, some not tops. We talk a little not top. Yeah, maybe? let's do a not top. Well, before we do that, though, and it's been some time, so hopefully he's not rusty. Kevin, yeah, hit that stanky beat. Boom! Mm. Wow, that Bam. one was—he baked that one. That was like a Dutch oven. He sure did. To quote Emerald Lagasse, "Bam!" <laughs> oh wow! You re- for a moment there, I really thought you were Emerald. I, I do what I can. Um, all right, so I want to talk a couple of things, and I'll admit that there's a little bit of a uh, a Miguel bent to these oh. ones. Um, so number one, not top storyline to me that I just find <laughs> so uninteresting is the Chiefs dynasty. Thing. Oh my god! So, so I find the Chiefs to be an excellent football team. Uh, they are. They absolutely are. But I want to say a couple <laughs> things. One. Their cap slash roster building situation is a ticking time bomb that is not going to work for the long term. It doesn't work. It never works. This is exactly what the Broncos did a couple years ago where they thought they could sign Ryan Clady to a whatever the hell gigantic deal he got. They could sign Von Miller. They could sign Derek Wolf, obviously Peyton, then Demarius, then Manny Sanders, then Eric Decker. Go down the list. Like, you think, you, and then whatever the hell that tight end's name was, Julius Thomas. Like, you think you can sign everybody because they work really t- well together as a unit. And you can, and it works for a couple of years. The Chiefs are excellent right now. There's no question. There's no debate about that. I have read... More articles. I read an article just the other day. I was doing some research on this to see what, like, the NFL storylines were before the season. I think it was NFL.com said, God, what a disappointment it will be if they don't win four Super Bowls. It's like, four Super Bowls? They won one. They deserved it. They played great. Four? And Bill Simmons, I heard on his podcast, like, his preseason, like, man, if they don't win seven Super Bowls. It's like, Jesus, let's just enjoy what's happening right now. Like, they're a good team right now. Yeah, I think... I'd be surprised if they didn't make the Super Bowl again, like, two times out of the next three years. But I think, like, that's the window that you're talking about. Like, I think that's like, fair. And it's it, that's fair. And, yeah, and, like, but that's the thing is, like, to, to say, like, four and four years or, like, four and five is really aggressive. And Well, I think it was, I think it was saying four during the, the life like, of Mahomes, Mahomes contract. dynasty, presumably. But, like, if you're thinking about, I guess it depends, like... The thing is, like, they have Mahomes for so long that, like, they could theoretically, like, win a Super Bowl or two over the next four-year period and then, like, not be great for a while and still be, and then, like, be able to contend again for a Super Bowl at the back end of his contract. And so, like, if ultimately we end up with three or four for the duration of Mahomes' contract, that wouldn't be surprising. But I also don't think I would be, like, surprised by that just because no it would be surprising no hold on so i hear what you're saying like i can talk myself into this but you're describing the career of and uh, yes i'm self-interested you're describing the career of one player only one player ever has done the thing that you're describing one but like mahomes has already put himself into like kind of a category of one ever with like and part of it is because of like even how the game has changed since Tom Brady like started playing like it's not this is not a Tom Brady point it's a it's a like to 
win four Super Bowls, you really kind of have to win it over two chunks of a career. Yes. And only unless you're Joe Montana in the era before free agency. It's not a bang on Joe Montana, but that was a different time. But in the free agency era, the only way to do that is to win, rebuild, win again, and only one person's ever done. Yeah. That. So I just don't think it's it. I don't think it's fair to him either. Like that's unfair to Pat Mahomes. Like now, if he doesn't win four Super Bowls, he's a failure. I don't know. Like to win a Super Bowl at his age and to like have his skill set that like in theory should age well. Like those, the expectations are fun to set like that. I'm I'm happy to do it as not a Chiefs fan because I was a Chiefs fan. I'd be <laughs> not wanting to do that. But like, uh, I think the the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Like, it's fair to have like such huge expectations for him. But like, some of the things we've been hearing are kind of a lot. I do also just want to say, and this is going to sound like a Mahomes critique. I'm I've come around to the fact that he's he's an excellent player. But I do still think we need to all take a little bit of a chill pill on how good he is. Because, yes, the things he does do look really spectacular. Like, he, But I think there's a style element where throwing across your body rather than just kind of dropping back and making a nice throw looks different and looks cooler. And so the highlight reel is, is kind of really exciting. So that's one thing. Two... He was horrendous in the Super Bowl, which people have forgotten about. He was truly atrocious until that one play on third down. And the last thing, which I think is the most important thing people lose track of, he has, let me, instead of making it a statement, I want to ask you a question. Going around the NFL over the last three years, so the life of his career, is there any year during his career when you would have taken some other team skill position players? At any point, was there, in any of those years, was there a better group of skill All right, but players? It, okay, that, that's, like, totally fair. Like, their they're receivers, like, like, they've got fucking Travis Kelsey. Like, no one has weapons like that. But that same, over that same time period, or, like, which quarterback would you take over him in that same three-year period? None, none. But I think, I do think, I do think it, well, Russell Wilson, I actually, I, I take that. I take that back. I would take Russell Wilson... He's. I think Russell Wilson has been the best quarterback in the NFL for the past four years. Um, but I think it's just it's so hard to disaggregate like the player from the team and the situation. And and I think I guess that's ultimately kind of where I land on this. Is it's just fun to watch a really good ball player. Let's just watch him and like leave the rest of this aside and just enjoy him. So what I'm hearing is let's calm down. Like he's not the greatest of all time. Like please calm down. Good That's what I'm points. hearing loud and I like clear. I love this. I love All it. Right, it's so, a great barometer of how good is a quarterback, how much does Mike dislike him, and it's completely inversely related. It's my favorite phenomenon of yours. It's the best. <laughs> it's a mathematical and he's your num- He's your number um, one hated, so he's the number one quarterback in the NFL right now, for sure. I did, Well, it should be Russell Wilson, because I do genuinely think he's the best, but I just can't help but like Fair. him. Um, All right, uh, number two is number two. I really would like to stop talking about OBJ and poop. <laughs> Why are we... Did I, did I miss this? Is there some poop? Oh, 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 yeah. So there's some podcast where apparently um, some ladies who... Uh, corrals with the professional athletes set. They have like a podcast where they like talk about how things are going with sure. them. And... 
apparently, allegedly, I'm going to say it again, allegedly, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is into some fecal fornication stuff. And I can't believe you missed this, but this was like the storyline of the NFL. Um, Not on like the NFL.com, it sort of flew under the radar there. But um, all the other sites, and I'm pretty done with it. It's nasty. I'm, I'm done with it, and I just heard about it. I also, I also just want to say, this is not a kink shaming podcast. We don't kink shame. If two consenting adults want to poop on each other, I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem super sanitary, but it's not. I don't know. Are you gonna say they should? I'm certainly not. I'm sure they've got wet. Kyle, are you gonna? Are what are you saying? Are you saying I'm, they should? Listen, go poop on whoever you want to poop on, assuming it's consensual. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just not polite conversation, which like, which is hilarious. We talk a lot of poop talk on this podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know that kind of like, I don't know that I, I, for some reason, I just like really like to not think about, like, I'd like to imagine most athlete, most athletes is like largely asexual. Yes. Oh, well, so that's the other thing. Like in addition to the pooping thing, I also just find something kind of distasteful about hearing about somebody else's sex life. It just it feels intrusive and it's not my business. Yeah, that's really yeah. It's it's yeah. like it's more like it's not the poop stuff that bothers me because like like poop like if some guy pooped his pants on the sidelines like that would be hilarious and I could talk See, about I'm that laugh- for twenty I'm minutes. I'm laughing right. I'm actually laughing. Yeah, right like now. that's fucking yeah. great. So like clearly if we're like siloing, it's it's not the poop that's the issue. But like to combine poop and sex is a little, yeah, 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 and and like breach of privacy. Um. All right, so that's that one. And then the other, the other, um, not top I want to mention. I, I, so I, I kind of want to combine two here. It's really just the speculation about whether such and such a player, and yes, you're gonna, you're gonna hear me reference Tom Brady here. Um, whether such and such a player is washed up. And it's about, this is about Tom Brady and Drew Brees, because this has been like a big topic of conversation for both of them. It's like, is Tom Brady washed up? Is Drew Brees washed up? And I I have a lot of problems with this conversation for both players. Um, but I'll speak specifically to the Tom Brady piece of it, which is that I have watched every throw, every snap Tom Brady has had for since 2006. So like 15 years, every single throw. That's a lot of throws. I know what he looks like on a good game, bad game, good season, bad season. And he is he he definitely looks like he has declined pretty significantly but i think a lot of the discussion that people are having about like where his skills are at what's happening i don't get the sense that they've actually watched the games and i find that so bothersome in the same way that i find it bothersome when people will sort of lavishly praise a guy like pat mahomes for a game in which he made three good plays because those were the highlight real plays And so by extension, I feel the same way about Drew Brees. Like, I haven't watched every snap of Drew Brees, but I find it really difficult to believe that a guy who played the way he played last year suddenly sucks at football this year when, coincidentally, his best receiver and probably the best, like, most versatile possession-ish receiver since Marvin Harrison has been out. I just I have a little bit of a heart and and he's lost the home field advantage of probably one of the best home fields in football. Like, I don't know. I'm just 
that just seems like such a boring storyline. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you want to look for signs of decline, you can find them. You just can, especially if you don't watch the whole game. It's easy. And I just, I, I, I kind of find it just annoying and negative and, and wrong in a lot of cases. Yeah, I can't speak to either. I haven't watched any Saints or Bucks games this year, but like, it does seem to be like a pretty dominant like topic of any discussion of either of those teams, which is like funny because there's like there's so much about those teams to talk about other than quarterback play, but yeah, like is that an interesting topic to you? Like I, I watch the Bucks and I can't help but be struck by how good their defense is. Uh, Leonard Fournette is actually running really well. Jones is running really well. Um, like I look around that team and I see a hell of a lot other than just one guy. And I feel the same about the saints. Like the saints have a fantastic defense uh, They, you know, they've, they've had some ups and downs this season, but like, I think they're a really talented, fast, fun defense. And like, whether or not Drew Brees is fading is an interesting storyline. I like, that's like number six or seven on the Saints. That's not interesting to me. The Tom Brady thing is different because like what he's doing is so unprecedented and like, because there's so yeah. much baggage with him and the Patriots and Belichick, like whether or not he can succeed in Tampa is like actually super interesting. Like outside of outside of like even the decline stuff, like th- like the system stuff is like absent the the age thing, just interesting by itself. And like, but here's the problem. I, this is my issue with this conversation because this is a big. This is like the big New England conversation. Is like, is it Brady or is it Belichick? That is a question you can only answer under lab conditions. And we're so far from lab conditions. It's just not even funny. And I would feel that way regardless. Because I I feel close to equal or equal affection for those two guys. They've been a big, both have been a big part of my life for a long time. So I'm not really rooting for one or the other to get more credit. But A, you're talking about a symbiotic relationship. But B, more and much more importantly, you're talking about a guy who's 43 years old going against a coach who doesn't really age where the dynamics on each of their teams are different in a year. That's really weird. Like there's just, it's a really, it's not a fun answer because it's more fun to do the sports talk radio thing and be like, Brady sucks. Belichick sucks. Like the gym Rome is burning. Like that's more like, that's more fun to do, but really like, yeah, what are we comparing here? One year of a new team under a different coach late in his career versus a 20-year track record with the same coach and, like, a stable system? Like, those are that's apples and oranges. Yeah, I would say, like, if it if it explodes and the Bucks suck, like, it's totally not fair to say, and it's not fun to say, like, well... It was all Belichick after all. Like that's not that's yeah, not true. But that's but that is the conclusion people will yeah. draw, and I find that like that, that's the part I I think like ultimately that irks me about these conversations is they're so short term in nature. Like the is Drew Brees declining? Like that's not interesting. He's played like three games this year. I don't know. Maybe he could have said a shit. Maybe he had food poisoning. Who knows? Yeah, like the negative side of it is not yeah. interesting to me. But like the idea of watching Tom Brady like lead a team like Tampa that like really just did need probably like if it turns out they really just needed somebody to kind of like get their shit together and like bring some kind of you know like leadership to the team like that's cool like the positivity of like being able to say that you can inject that into a team and generate like have success like 
that to me is compelling and I would really love to see that and I hope it happens. Yeah, that's that's a good point. In the same way that it's actually really fun and I confess being totally surprised by how ready to play and competitive the Pats have been this year without Tom Brady. So I guess I guess it's like a little bit of both. It's a little bit of the short-termism and sort of like sort of unscientific thinking that I don't like, but I also think it's the negativity. It's like the rooting for failure part is like i don't i don't find that that fun no that's but you're right like rooting rooting for like brady to have like a last hurrah and lead the bucks that's fun so is rooting for belichick to figure out how to bring the best out of cam newton the best same with the saints like it's the best case scenario is that belichick figures it out with cam newton and the pats make the playoffs and tom brady plays great with the bucks and they make the playoffs i guess the actual well actually i don't know like a bucks Never mind. A Bucks Patriots Super Bowl would be like pretty devastatingly sad because it would force you to make a conclusion like one way or the other, and that wouldn't be what it would represent. I don't want to know. It's like choosing between yeah. the children. But I think I think the thing is that would be the best possible Super Bowl for every single person involved. Like the NFL, each player. It's never gonna no. happen, but that like isn't but I think the point is that you're making, like, isn't that what somebody who's interested in this topic, which isn't everybody, and that kind of comes back to why this is should not be in the top oh, yeah. ten, is like not everybody should be interested. But if you're interested, shouldn't that be what you're rooting for? <laughs> like not failure. That's certainly what I would like to see. Yeah. All right. So that's it for the not tops. Let's get back okay. to the list. Uh, so number seven is going to be slightly. Uh, so, so I actually want to do this one anyway because I put this list together last week. And uh, maybe this is exactly me falling victim to precisely what I was just accusing others of. So I wrote, um, like, goodish running backs being bad. And I wrote Todd Gurley, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara. So I feel like a little bit of a dope because Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara both had really good weeks. Todd Gurley still sucks. He's hurt. It's not his fault. Doesn't he have, like, arthritis? Like, he's damaged goods. Yeah, he's just, like, completely damaged goods. That's really too bad. Yeah. I want I want to see what Dalvin Cook did this week, but I think he had a really big week. I think running backs, even like we were just talking about, how like you can't evaluate a quarterback's performance in isolation of all the other factors that contribute to a team's overall performance. Yeah. I think running backs are even more like temperamental. Like a running back, really. I think like if you're a great running back, you can make ha- like some things happen from nothing. But, like, uh, if you're a baseline, like, replacement level running back, I think your performance is, like, largely tied to your offensive line, right? And so, like, when you have, like, a guy at, like, the peak of their game, like, like when I think of, like, watching, like, Le'Veon Bell back when he was, like, really at his peak, like, he would just make shit happen. Or, like, like Barry Sanders. Like, guys like that are kind of transcendent. But, like, I don't think that, like, any of... Well, and maybe Gurley was one of those guys, like, a couple years ago. But, like, Kamara and Cook, to me, like, watching them run is, like, there's nothing about their their games that make me think, like, that guy is, like, really, really special. And so, like, if they have, like, ins and out in their games, it makes me just think that it's more, like, based on how their teams are playing that day. I don't know how many running backs there are. Which is probably why, which is probably why I'm just being dumb and doing exactly what I've accused others of. But I'm looking right now, <laughs> Dalvin Cook, last week, 22 carries for 181 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, so, 
I think I think Alvin Kamara uh, is going to turn out to be a huge albatross around the Saints next. They just sign him for like a big deal, and I just don't get I it. I know that teams get blasted for like fucking their running backs, like it's this like super physically demanding position, but like it's wrong. Like it's very, it feels so viscerally wrong from an emotional point of view. But it's like it's like from a if you're just like analyzing it from like running a team perspective, like putting yeah. that much investment in a player that probably is only going to play at a really high level for two years. Just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, Alvin Kamara. I'm looking right now. So he had <laughs> he had 13 grabs for 139 and two touchdowns last week. Wow. Um. So cra- crazy good receiving week. But he's a five foot ten, 215 pound running back, and I actually don't believe that weight at all. There's no way he weighs 215 pounds at five foot ten. He's like 205 maybe. Yeah. He's super skinny. He's like kind of tall and lanky build. Um. That dude's got, like, one good year left. I just, I don't, I'm not a buyer on him. And uh, I, I just, I don't get it. Especially when you're talking about a quarterback who, the the conversation about, like, is he washed up aside? He's on the back nine for sure. And, you know, I think it, I know Mark Ingram, you know, moved on a couple years ago. And it's, you know, he wasn't the right fit anymore. But I don't know. If I'm them, I'm thinking a lot more, like, I need a guy who's going to take some of the load off of Breeze's shoulder. Yeah. So, I was wrong. Uh, all right, number six. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about not col- or not NFL, but college football. All right. Um, just, like, the impact of the impact of this really weird season on what the hell is going to happen next year in the NFL. Because, you know, you're going to get guys who stay in school an extra year because they didn't get the opportunity. You're probably going to have guys who are going to leave school earlier than they anticipated because they want to get the hell out of there. The basic point here is that Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be number one. He was going to be number one for a long time. But very few players in college football are kind of wire to wire what they are. You get guys who have like a big senior bowl, guys who, you know, play really well at the in, a, in some big, you know, the Sugar Bowl. You have guys who suck late in their career. And Look at Joe Burrow. Things happen. Yeah, exactly. It's, Joe Burrow is a perfect example. Like, we're not going to see that Joe Burrow, I wouldn't think, totally this year. Um, or at least we're not going to see every Joe Burrow. And I think that's going to have a huge ripple effect on what the NFL looks like next year. It reminds me of baseball in that like, the trade deadline was super fucked up this year because no one had any idea how to evaluate trades. Like Normally, you're trading a player on your roster to another team that's trying to win yeah. for these future assets. But, like, none of those guys are playing in the minor leagues. So it's like, well, we don't have – it's like – it's 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 just like you're trying to, like, buy something. But, like, the currency you're using doesn't have any kind of – like, there's no way to measure the currency on the other end of it. And, like – And you kind of weren't sure, like, what's the service time accrual going to be like? Like, I'm not even – like, usually you can know to the day, yeah. if I play this guy this many games, if I have him in the minors this long, like, this is what I will have to pay him at this point. And not knowing that just really changes the landscape. And it's an opportunity for smart teams. And it's a huge disaster for dumb teams. Yeah. Um, So I imagine that the NFL is going to have all kinds of similar problems. Like on these, I assume like the NFL is kind of going the same way as baseball in that like they're making valuations not based on how fast the guy runs at the combine. Like that's a factor in their decision, but like, more so they're looking at like a guy's complete body of work. And when your total body of work is like 
30 games probably at like at at the high end for most of these guys like and now you're reducing that by a third or more like your data your like your sample size is totally different so like what would be really interesting is that if like the draft is all fucked up and no one knows how to evaluate anybody and then like nothing happens and like it just it shows that like it doesn't really matter who you draft well it it would be really interesting because i think talent evaluation within football most closely resembles baseball in that they're so skill oriented in the way they evaluate people and the weighting of like guy throws 95 in high school or guy can jump out of you know can do as a 40 inch vertical leap or runs a four three or whatever. Like the the relative weight that scouts put on that versus what they actually see with their eyes on the tape. You know, does this guy have some sort of sense of the strike zone? Is he you know know when to mix in his off speed stuff, or does this guy find the soft area in the defense or whatever in football? Those sports much more so than hockey and and basketball, where it's like, did the guy score? Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> where where there's so much of a premium placed on like the flashy skills, the lack of tape, what is going to be the check and balance on some idiot owner? Who's like, we need a guy who runs a four, two, nine. Like what? There's no way to say, okay, that's great. But this guy cannot catch a football or that's great. But like this guy doesn't know how to tackle. Like, I just don't think there's any counterbalance to that. It'll be fascinating. And I hope that, I feel like the lower your draft pick, like, the easier it is. Like, it, the high, well, I guess, like, it's like the middle first round that I think is going to be really interesting to watch. And Yeah. So. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is going to be Trevor Lawrence, and, and some bum is going to be some bum, but that middle guy who you're kind of not totally sure about. Which, like, the first, the, that, like, that whole round is kind of a, a crapshoot anyways. Like, how many fucking yeah. times have we heard that, uh, Mitch Trubisky was drafted over like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Like, yeah, Blaine Gabbert, yeah. whoever, pick a guy, Jake Locker. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to number five. Um, what a time to be paying attention to young quarterbacks. There's so many young quarterbacks who are really good, but also ones that are just kind of really interesting right now. Um, a couple that, you know, I want to see more of. But I would just put a list of. Young quarterbacks who have something kind of interesting going on. So Kyler Murray, uh, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahal, Patrick Mahomes, um, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, and Carson Wentz. Like each of those guys has a super interesting storyline to be following this season. And that's pretty far removed from just a couple years ago where we were saying like, where are the young quarterbacks? Who's good? There's a lot to be interested in. I'm very, very invested in Kyler Murray this year because he is my fantasy quarterback um, yeah. and has not done me much good so far. But I have faith. <laughs> I haven't watched any Cardinals games. I missed them play the Lions this weekend. But by all accounts, yeah. it must be real fun to watch because, like, he's a pretty versatile quarterback and he's got, like, on the one end of things, like, he's got DeAndre Hopkins. And then, like... The best receiver in the league, I think. Probably, and... Like, I don't think it's much of a And then on the other end, you've got, like, Larry Fitzgerald, like, this guy that, like, is not, is no longer DeAndre Hopkins, but, like, is probably still fun to watch. I don't know. Like, um, of all these guys, I've only really had a chance to watch, like, Mahomes and Lamar in the playoffs, really. I haven't watched, like, Wentz play at all, or really even Kyler. But, like, 
it's fun that there's so many that we're talking about. And I haven't watched Burrow play yet, but it's and <laughs> the Bengals are 0 and 3. But like it seems like they're frisky. The thing about Joe is he has balls. He just has balls. He's got a little bit of moxie and he just he, he plays football. He's a good he is he is a very good player who's going to be good for a long time. Um I think Kyler has got it. But I think he's just so freaking small. I just think his his career is going to be limited by the fact that he's just so tiny. Um, and a player playing the style he plays, we've seen it before. It's so hard to make a career out of that. Um, I I but I I really believe in Joe Burrow. I do not believe at all in Carson Wentz. Um, but it's still interesting to watch the car crash. I think Derek Carr is just like going to be forever mediocre. Very interested to see Tua when he comes in. Mahomes is Mahomes. What? There's no, like, service time thing, right? Like, why isn't Tua playing? Or do, do I, they just I want another know. high pick? Just or, like, like, what's the... I, I don't know. Weird decision-making. I'm not sure I it's understand. Like, I mean, I think Fitzmagic is, like, just one of the all-time strange athletes. But I'm there's very few people I'm more scared of. He's played every team in the he's played on every team in the AFC East except the Pats. So like I've been playing him for a long time. I guess my but my question is like, how do you not play? Too is well? he like? Is he such like a like enigmatic like like leader? And he's like, has he like bought so into like the Flores thing that like removing him would really maybe they've like installed some kind of culture where like he's really earned it and like removing him from that spot would feel like they were going against like the philosophy they're trying to preach like i can't think of another it could be it could, it could be. be because flores is definitely an accountability guy but i, I, I just think know. that like like to draft like jordan love and bench him like behind aaron Rodgers makes like perfect fucking sense but like like your team has nowhere to go but up. It's not like it's not like you owe Fitzpatrick like a, he's not like an albatross contract that you feel like you need to play him. Like it must be something like that, or they think that Tua can learn something. Maybe they really they just really like him and they think Tua can learn from him. I can't think of like another reason. Because if I'm a Miami fan, I'm like fuck it. I want to watch Tua play. Or if I'm me, well, I want to finish the the young quarterbacks uh, with a question for you, Lamar. What what do you think of him? Like what? What do you what do you think is his next ten years? I don't know because I think what's funny is that a lot of like the arguments you have about Mahomes, I think, are more like naturally applied to Lamar. Like I think his skill set compared to Mahomes is like, and obviously like a lot of his throwing like questions have been debunked. Like he can clearly throw, but I think he's one of those guys like more so than Mahomes that hasn't really like. He hasn't won, like, a huge game yet, and, like, he obviously has the skills, but I also think that, like, the Ravens have been built to work for him specifically. It'd be interesting to see him on another team, and maybe we won't, but, like, I don't think that... I'm not saying that to take anything away from him, but, like, Mahomes, regardless of how he played, like, he won the fucking Super Bowl. I, yeah. I, 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 I think that, like... Like, like he was his first year last year. That was his first year. Like, give. I think he, the book is still out on him, but I think his potential is like just as good as Mahomes, if not better. Like, he's a better running quarterback than Mahomes is. See, I think I so I'm I've got problems with the early coronation of Mahomes, and I also have problems with just the narrative. But 
Mahomes, I have no questions about his skill. Like, I think he's an absolute freak of a quarterback. He has just preternatural instincts. He has a gigantic arm. He's such a quick release. Like, I just, I think Patrick Mahomes is very close to a perfect quarterback. I, as I've got my counter arguments for why there's, you know, issues, but like, I, I, Patrick Mahomes is just amazing. I just don't know about Lamar. Like, I think, I, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see. I don't, I don't, I'm not buying, I'm not buying, uh, Lamar stock. Like, I, I think, I think he'll probably win one more MVP and, I don't know. I think he'll be a guy we remember as a really good quarterback, and that's kind of it. I don't know. I think part of it, I think what sucks for him is that, like, because the Ravens and the Chiefs are, like, kind of the cream of the AFC right now, and they came into the league at the same time, like, they're just naturally going to be compared to each other. And so, like, I think part of it is just that he hasn't done some of the things that Mahomes has done yet. And I think for that reason... Yeah, that's also true. I think that, like, he's a victim of that, like, these comparisons and, like, also of these expectations because like people are like picking the Ravens to win the Super Bowl the last couple of years. So like, I don't know. I'm, I'm high on him based on like, based on nothing, based on like what I hear and what I've seen him play a few times. But like, um, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it'll be fun to watch regardless. For sure. All right. Uh, number four, just, this is not a fun storyline, but it's a big one. Injuries and health. Jesus, there's been so many injuries. Like, you can't watch this season without thinking about it. I'm going to steal this quote or this stat from, I think it was Sal. Uh, but, like, <laughs> the Niners beat the Jets with, like, 40% of their cap space on the field. Like, <laughs> something stupid like that. And I think this is also regurgitated. But, like, it really does seem like n- having no preseason is a big factor in this. It is. A, it's a really interesting thing where... What we found about football is limiting the amount of football guys play is a good thing, but, but it's also bad because this happens. Like you have to find, I don't know what the answer is, but there's, there has to be some sort of right way to get guys' bodies ready because clearly there, and this has been studies that have shown like with the lockout year that ACL injuries and soft tissue injuries, like ligament and soft tissue injuries increase significantly when they don't have a preseason. But we also know that, you know, head injuries, especially like you need to play less football. So I, I hopefully this kind of helps them find a, a better balance between those two, those two things. Cause this isn't good for football and it's not good for the players to have so many guys hurt. It's not really good for anybody. Like, the, the like the no. owners and like the teams aren't interested in fielding like a product that does isn't their best product. Fans want to see their favorite yeah. players play. Players don't want to be hurt. Like, and even the guys that are like coming in to fill in these positions, like themselves, are at a higher risk for injury too. So, totally. Like, who doesn't want to watch Saquon Barkley? That stinks. Yeah, the Lions have yet to be bitten. Really, not good. That'll maybe. be that'll be soon. If Stafford's back doesn't, like, snap in half in the middle of this year, like, he's a really good candidate for comeback player of the year, I will say. God, I love Matt. I love Matt Stafford. What Talk about circumstance and bad luck. Like, that's a guy who I think in a different set of circumstances is Brett Favre. I think that's a really good comparison because I think that yeah. <laughs> the shine on Brett Favre has kind of, like, people, I think, are more starting to realize that he had, like, a crazy arm and played for a lot of really good Packers teams. And like, that's kind of it. Um, 
And I think Stafford, like, could have very much had, like, a very similar career trajectory where he was just, like, piling up absurd statistics, playing for good to great teams. I, I totally. Yeah. They're, they're like, the kind of guys who are not sabermetrics darlings. Um, but I think Matthew Stafford has unfairly suffered from being in a spot where he's not even allowed to rack up the counting stats. Yeah. But... So that's that's number four. A uh, couple of honorables. I just mentioned two 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 teams that I'm super interested in this year. One is uh, the Texans. Um, I know we talked about them already a little bit, but I specifically am finding this the trade talk like actually interesting. I find I don't find calculating and trying to figure out who won trades interesting, especially in football, because in football there's no such thing as winning a trade. If you're the team that uh, initiated it, like in baseball, as you were saying earlier, there's such different quantities being exchanged, like almost always the trade in baseball. Like, I don't know, I would estimate three quarters of MLB MLB trades follow guy who is in the major leagues and is getting paid and is already a contributor being traded for package of unknown unpaid guys. So those two things are so different in kind that both teams can win or one team can win and the other can lose, but it wasn't really either team's fault. Like it was just a, it was just a judgment call. Like in baseball, assessing those trades is kind of fun because it allows you to sort of get into the heads of the GM and like, what was the rationale and you know, whatever it's sort of, it's a little bit more fun to play that out. But in football guys don't trade players during the season and let, or even in the off season, really, unless their back is against the wall. Like unless a guy threatens to hold out, people aren't making trades to build a roster. Yeah, nobody like, and so if you're the, nobody yeah. in a bad season is going to trade like their best, like their quarterback for like a bunch of draft picks, like, or it just isn't, the it way happens, it works. but like that, like exchange of like future versus current value doesn't really happen in the same way. It's, it actually is really right. weird, and it makes the NFL trade deadline, like, actually fairly boring. Because, like, a, a lot of the trades are, like, uh, like here, you take this bad contract, and we'll take this bad contract. Or it's, like, here, almost here's two young guys that, like, we can't use, and we'll flip, and, like, we'll do a change of scenery type thing. Like, almost always the players involved yeah. are of similar, like, quality. It's, it's always, it's the change of scenery or fit yeah. thing, which just makes it, like, less fun and harder to kind of judge and say like oh i'm getting into this gm's head well it's it's why when you get a trade like the deandre hopkins trade or like the obj trade where you're like a big name moves and like a correspondingly big name doesn't go the opposite way and like the player that moves is like in the prime of their career it's like a big fucking deal and it's why it's so much fun to talk about and why it's easier to assign winners and losers especially in this case yeah, it's and it's, but I guess my point is like there are no winners and losers because there's always lo- it's uh, the loser. Like if you're the team that that like initiated the trade, you lose. That's yeah. football. That's how those. That's how trades work. And so it's not fun to say like who won, who lost, but it is just fun to pay attention to the narrative around it because it's so silly that Bill O'Brien is allowed to be in charge of player personnel. Yeah, in this case, it's not like like the, you're right. Like the Texans were always the loser in a scenario where they had to trade DeAndre Hopkins. What's special right. about this scenario is like, oh my god, not only are they losers, they are like ultra mega losers because mega like, losers. Yeah, it's uh, who's yeah. yeah. Man, it's really tough for the uh, It's like being a mega zord. Uh one other one other team I just want to mention that I find really interesting this year uh is the Cowboys. I'm super interested in the Cowboys this year because 
their offensive line is a disaster. And that's been, that's been the stalwart of the team. Like their offensive line has been the best in the league for five years, six years now. They're a disaster. Um, Mike McCarthy is endlessly interesting as a coach, mostly because he's kind of a boob. Um, they're just like a really genuinely interesting team with a lot of storylines. Right, the now. the Cowboys are. I'm not the first person by any stretch to compare these two teams. The Cowboys are so much like the Yankees, and that like if they were to win the Super Bowl, I'd be like fuck them, and I'd be so annoyed. But I still want them to be good. Like it's more, it's just objectively more fun when the Yankees are good because it's fun to beat them. And it's like that with the Cowboys, and it's frustrating because it's like they're so close to being that like annoyingly like juggernauty kind of team, and yet they like can't quite do it. The happiest person in the room right now, well, not really, I guess, is uh, Jason Garrett. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great joke. <laughs> the clapper. It is a good the clappers are great jokes. jokes. But like I think we we talked about him a lot when we did our sexy quarters back podcast co- sexy quarterback podcast like way back in the day. But like isn't Dash like Dak Prescott's so likable like I want him to succeed and like it's frustrating that it's not quite clicking when he has like Elliot and Lamb and like Amari Cooper. Like those three players right there like we're talking about skill sets like our skill position players like that's pretty enviable. Not too many teams have that combination. They're just an incredibly frustrating team. They're like the Tigers. They've got this one thing they just haven't figured out for years, and it's that defense. And I think Vander Esch got hurt, right? He broke his collarbone or something. Like At a time when it seemed like they were kind of figuring out how to have a defense at the same time as they had an offense, which is just the thing they haven't been able to do for so long, um, they've been kind of bitten by the injury bug really kind of all over the place, so. But I, I find that interesting. I just I, I like the Cowboys. I'm always interested to see, especially because they um, do they they still have Jalen Smith, right? Yeah, yep. he, he's like uh, by far my favorite like Notre Dame player that we ever had while we were there, and so I cheer for him. Same. Um, all right, so that takes us to number three. We're in the not we're in right in the the belly of the beast. Um, number three, I'm very interested to see if the NFL ha- takes any lessons from COVID, like if there's any learnings about. Um, as we discussed, player safety. Like, I want to, I want to know if they've learned anything about keeping players safer and healthier. I want to know if they're learning anything about some of the rule changes they made around penalties and like the emphasis changes, like decreasing the emphasis. And I'm, I'm wrapping this into COVID, but it's more like odd, like a weird season. It's like, are there going to be learnings from this sort of weird season? Um, so de-emphasizing holding seems like a great decision. Getting rid of the pass interference challenges, great decision seems like. Uh, the game lengths are, are have been quicker. Um, I'm very pro that. Like I'm, I'm wondering whether they're going to do what the MLB did not do and say, "Hey, this is a really weird season. Shit is going wrong. Let's kind of poke around and, and see what we can learn a little bit." Well, I, I'd counter and say that like some of the changes that baseball has made have been awesome, and I hope some of them are permanent. But. Yeah, like I'm, I'm less in tune with. I, I well, well, can I just say my guess? My issue with baseball is I feel like they were pretty upfront about any changes we make for this season are one offs, and we're not. Gonna oh, sure, anything. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope that they do because I agree the product has been better. Yeah, um, you're right. They've been. I, I guess I wouldn't know. It sounds like the NFL has been less like upfront about saying like these are COVID specifically rules. 
I don't know. They just, they haven't. And I hope that, I guess, I, this has not so much been like a big storyline. It's something I've noticed that the games have been faster and cleaner. And I think it's partially due to less preseason to do putting these like new rule emphases, which they do sometimes. And um, I think I, I think that they're doing a really nice job officiating the games and keeping them fast and clean. And that's so different than it's been in the past couple of years. I really hope that they kind of keep that. And I hope there's other stuff that they can learn from this season, whether it's about like travel schedules, like trying to manage that and, you know, Hey, teams should come in on us Friday or Saturday instead of, you know, whatever. Like I just, I want them to learn something. Cause I feel like they're really good at not learning things. What I think might be interesting is like completely unrelated to the actual product on the field is I wonder if they're, cause I think baseball, it's been very clear. Like, if they're going to make money, like, they need to have people there. And because just, like, the fan structure is so different. Like, you have potentially 40,000 people times 80 games. Like, that number is a, is a lot different than eight games times whatever. Yeah, 60,000. Right. Like, so, I don't know. Like, I wonder if, <laughs> and this is, again, another stolen point, is that, like, watching the games on the TV, like, because the angle of, like, the camera is such that you can't see the fans anyways. Like the experience hasn't been that different other than then like I'm blown away by how you good can't it really listen like my, because I don't have a firm grasp of rules and I see a flag and I don't know what it means. Like I rely pretty heavily on the crowd noise to know what I'm seeing like that besides that. And like, that's something they could potentially like compensate for. Like, I don't know how different my experience has been. And I'm curious to see if this like, impacts what they do going forward or like if that changes i don't know what that would change like i think given the choice like the nfl of course is gonna want the revenue of like um people in the stands but like i think there are probably other parties involved that are less like cut and dry like people like fans like i wonder i wonder if fans are gonna go as much i wonder you know maybe the next big super stadium that gets built isn't quite so super because do I need that many people there? Well, I wonder, like, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with this, like, parent, like, palace that's be- that's been built in L.A. Like, what if, what if next year they just, like, they don't sell out games? Like, because it's, partially because it's in L.A. And, like, how many, like, diehard Chargers and Rams fans are there? But, like, I don't know. Zero. The answer is zero. Yeah. Like, I, I just wonder if, like, wow, I'm really enjoying this game on my couch and... That's how I feel. I mean, I, you know me. I'm like the biggest Tom Brady slash Patriots fan ever. I saw one game, ev- literally ever, of the Patriots, and it was because I went on a trip with my family. Like, I love the TV viewing experience so much. Why would I go? Whereas for me, like, like that's that's definitely true for me with football. Like, my viewing experience is just as good as it is in person. To an extent, like if I'm not if I'm not personally invested in the game, like a Notre Dame game is different. Whereas baseball, like there's no comparison. Like seeing a game on TV is just doesn't it doesn't compare to being at the game. So totally. Yep. That'll whatever we've we've gone along. I just think that's like something like non game side that might be interesting to see going forward and how the NFL responds to that. Agreed. So number two uh, is another of those topics that's not. Um, that's specific to this year. It's the social justice stuff. And what I find so amazing about the NFL is that it's not a storyline. Yeah. <laughs> and it's incredible. It's incredible to see in the wake of the NBA. Like, 
in the NBA bubble, it was a group of guys who said, hey, LeBron, do you want to play basketball? Like, do you? So the, the league is different. But like, basically, they said, hey, LeBron, do you want to play basketball? And LeBron, do you think playing basketball will take away or add to our ability to have a social message? And LeBron James, like, sat down in his chair, had a glass of scotch, and said, yes and yes, it will add to it. So, like, it's a different dynamic. It's a different league. But that was what the NBA did. And they did an inc- – I, I mean, I was blown away by how effective and pervasive and, like, coherent the message was on social topics from the NBA. But also, like, in a really impressively not, like, detractory way. Like, it – like it no. just felt like supernatural and like a like a very like um yeah like a natural progression like the kind of thing you would expect from that league and I think it's cool that they've like yep. cultivated that kind of image. Well, that's the thing. You're totally right. This is one of those things where you're watching the result of years and years of work and like cultivation of of a certain atmosphere, and so it felt natural. And the players understood how to do it, and the coaches were comfortable with it. Like all of the pieces were in place for the NBA to to really come out like at the forefront of having a message on social justice. And I just really, even with all that backdrop was blown away by how well they did with it. The NFL couldn't possibly be more in the opposite direction. They're have no idea what they want to say ever. Their PR is horrendous. They just, they have a problem where they have white ownership and management and black labor. And it's very different than the NBA where it feels like it's a pretty fully integrated league. And that's not the feel from the NFL. And I guess, stupidly, I overestimated their ability to be fast followers of the good work the NBA was doing. Because, like, seeing a decal that is in number one and a half or two times new Roman <laughs> font on the back of a helmet that says, like, Black Lives Matter, is just stands in such stark contrast to what the NBA did. Yeah. I, 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 at risk of giving the NBA too much credit, like they also there, there's no risk. They really, they really shot the lights out on. But they game. also like really understand their market and they understand who the NBA fan is, <laughs> and the yeah. NFL understands very clearly who the NFL fan is, and like that's not. See, that's the part that's like that's a little bit weird. Is they sort of do, but even that, they're not doing the right job of messaging to that. I, I should then. say, I should say, they think they know who their fan is. No, but no, no, but I, I get what you're saying. I don't think you're wrong. Like, I do think that by and large, the NFL fan base is more of like you know a flag humping group than the NBA fan base. It's definitely a whiter fan base. It's a more rural fan base. Like, go down the list of reasons that they would be less accommodating of big Black Lives Matter signs. But it is interesting that they're trying to sort of tread this middle course that just is worse it's the, because like they're at least their fan base was happy when they were siding with president trump and saying shut up and you know stand up now like there's enough fodder to kind of piss off the fans but not in a way that pleases the well the, yeah like the bare minimum is actually worse than doing nothing <laughs> completely there's no question about it because at least you can have this like full principle right. stand where you say like we're a sports league. We don't have any social messages, which is, you know, kind of obvious bullshit. But at least it's at least it's sort of consistent and defensible bullshit. Yeah, because then you're not putting themselves in the position where they have where it's like now we can pretty easily say like, well, you really just you don't care at all. Like, whereas yeah. the other way around, you could say like they care. It's just about something else. Like, 
Exactly. So it's been it's been fascinating to watch. They really are uh, kings and queens of shooting themselves in the foot, and they just really. But also, understand. it doesn't matter because everyone's going to watch football no matter what. It seems that is true. All right, so last one. Uh, this is our last uh, our last tranche of quarterbacks. We talked to young quarterbacks. We talked to kind of old fading quarterbacks. I want to talk about the bounce back quarterback. <laughs> what a year of what a year of the bounce back quarterbacks. Uh, and I wrote down four specifically that have been just fascinating. One of whom probably doesn't qualify as a bounce back. Uh, he's more of like an under the radar. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, what what a performance from a Rodge so far. He's getting the Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo gets drafted treatment yeah. where suddenly his team it's drafts great. a rookie and he's got a fire. What a great move. Um, he's still a dick, but he's playing much better. That's fine. Channel the dick. Uh, Cam, Cam Newton, and the, the hype has been overblown in him. Like He's been up and down, but it's really fun to see him back in the league again. Um Josh freaking Allen has been outstanding, which is so weird. And uh, Ryan Tannehill, who's the one who I don't know that it's fair to call him a bounce back because ever since he's been on the Titans, he's been excellent. It's so yeah, it's weird. More just like a continuation in like, a oh, that wasn't a fluke year. Yeah, I'm like, maybe Ryan Tannehill is good. Like, <laughs> I remember I remember watching him on hard knocks and then watching him, you know, play against the Pats in the AFC East and thinking, man, this guy's kind of got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like, he's really athletic. He's a fast, strong guy. Got a pretty good arm. Like, he doesn't seem like a dolt. <laughs> and just trying to figure out, like, what's, what's his happening? deal? And, yeah, now he's, like, maybe really good. I would say that's really exciting and it's fun to see. Like, I don't have a, any feelings about Tannehill at all, but it's cool to see a guy like that succeeding and sustaining yeah. it. Um, Allen, I love how he uh, he scored that touchdown on what's his face, that corner that was talking shit about him. That was cool. Yeah. I would say on this list, like, the most exciting is Cam Newton. Like, he's been really fun to watch. How, how have you enjoyed it? Yeah. Uh, it's been great. Like I said, I think that it's been a little bit overblown, like the actual quality of play. But setting, like, set against the baseline of he's not been playing the last couple yeah. of years, and when he did, was clearly really compromised. It's so fun, and he's he's just there's a huge race element to it that is not like super interesting for us to get into because other people have done it more thoroughly and more interestingly than us. But the perception of him versus the reality of him from like a personality and leadership standpoint is just so off. Um, it's just so off. And so it's been really fun for me to watch the guy and just get a sense of how likable and how liked he yeah. is. Like the team loves him and it's really fun to watch. And he's clearly a guy who thrives off of being a part of a team sport. And, like, what a bummer for that guy not to have been able to compete the last couple of years and how nice it is for him to be able to now and, and really do it in a good place and on a team that's supporting him. I love to see it. The only other guy I'm going to add here, even though he's a real tool bag, and it, like, goes back into our conversation about, like, it's fun when, the like, the virtues of, like, the smart quarterback, like, actually pay off is Roethlisberger. Like, the Steelers were, like, yeah. somehow going to make the playoffs last year, I think, Mike Tomlin is a great coach, but like with Duck Hodges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But with like with Roethlisberger, the Steelers look like legit and like he's he is what he is. But like, I think it's cool to see like the assumption was that like, well, with Big Ben back in there, they'll be fine. And like they have been and that's been. I totally agree. I kind of didn't buy it just be not because I don't trust him. I, I think his career has gotten to be kind of really 
oddly underrated um, in sort of a weird way because he was so ascendant early in his career. And then the league kind of changed around him, but he was sort of like ahead of his time. And he just sort of always had an odd career that I think has ended up being underrated. But I thought that the arm was so bad that he was going to come back and, and stink. But he's been terrific, and that's a pretty good team. Um, uh, and, and the league, uh, whatever, you said it, he's he's an asshole. But the, and not, he's whatever, beyond that. But the league is a better place when he's in it and playing well, because he's a really good ball player. And that's a fun, classic team that needs to be good for the league to be at its Yeah, best. they're like the Cowboys in that way. Yeah. Well... We're approaching like yeah, that's 80 minutes. Scoop. That's the scoop. Let's let's kill it. That's the deal. We already talked about it. Uh, I'll recap. Let real me quick, before so. we get because I think a lot of people tune yeah. out at this point. Uh, if you've listened to all of this podcast, it means you're probably a close friend of ours and you like football. And so I'm hereby invite I'm hereby oh, yeah. inviting you to join our uh, weekly. We're this is a complete ripoff. There's no claim that it's not. I just want to do our own guest the lines thing with our friends. So if you're listening, shoot me a text and I'll add you to our spreadsheet. I really am looking forward to doing this yeah, weekly. Please do. That number is one nine hundred <laughs> big butts. B U T T Z. Doctor Knockers at Ducktail Knuckles. Um. So um, yeah, I'll just recap real quick. So Washington professional football team at number ten, number nine, this exciting rookie class. Number eight, those goofball teams that can't get out of the, out of their own way. Number seven, my very poorly named and badly timed bad running backs. Yeah. Number six, uh, what the hell's going on in college football? Number five, young quarterbacks who are kind of exciting, interesting, got a storyline attached to them. Number four, everybody's hurt. Number three, you know, kind of the the dynamics of this weird season and what they can learn from it. Number two, the tiny little Black Lives Matter decals on the back <clears throat> of the helmets. <clears throat> Rooney. And number one, uh, this kind of weird year of under the radar and bounce back quarterbacks. So, Kyle, that's it. That's the list, That was baby. fun to talk about. Great list, Mike. That was fun to talk about. Nicely done. Good work. Team. Yeah. So thank you for uh, putting that together. And while we're on thank yous, I'll thank uh, Kevin McLeod for our stanky not top three music and the intro music, of course. Kevin's fantastic. I always thank my sister Erin after I thank Kevin for our artwork. If you've seen it, you know how dope it is. And if you want to see more of Erin's dope stylings, Instagram is the place to do that. Please go to Sant Design there. And speaking of dope Aroonies, one of them just walked in the house. Uh, that is our social media maven, Caroline Labranti. She takes care of all of our dope stuff, especially on our Instagram, which you can find on at top10km with the 10 spelled out T-E-N. You can check out her personal stuff on cml.photos on Instagram. Pay her to do stuff because you'll be paying me, baby. Making money off this podcast. Woo woo! Monetizing, baby. Uh, so do that. If you want to shoot us an email, tell us about the many ways we failed. Tell us, like, actually, the Cowboys suck. You hope they are terrible and you think we're total hacks. We want to just, or you just want to tell us, uh, I really think that uh, George Steinbrenner sucks. <laughs> He sucks. Um, feel free to shoot us an email at top10km at gmail.com. The 10 is also spelled out T-E-N. Finally, while well, I'm sure you're listening to us in some sort of listening app for another one, find us on the podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. So, Kyle, you are the middle linebacker of my heart. We just finished the podcast. Wow, thanks, Mike. You're welcome.
All right. I'll uh, talk to you very soon about some other topic. Sounds good to me. Peace.